The UMass Minutemen face the St. Bonaventure Bonnies in an Atlantic 10 matchup. Live NCAA basketball action Saturday at 4 p.m. on the American Sports Network. College hockey now. See it live. The Wisconsin Badgers face off with the Penn State Nittany Lions Saturday at 8 p.m. on the American Sports Network. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, along with the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, and joining us from Boston, Tim Williams. And gentlemen, uh, it's been a wild and crazy year in college basketball. No real dominant team, but some good teams. And uh, Joe, I think you were about to chat when we were uh, getting ready to start, you were talking a little bit about you had maybe you thought there that I was being a little too general about that. Well, sort of. I mean, there there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of strength at the top of the the rankings, uh, and and you can pick any one of uh, six or eight teams and say they could win the the win it all, and you wouldn't be wrong. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into Gonzaga's loss the other night. Everybody's kind of jumping all over that. And a one loss team falls to number four in the polls. Uh, that was, that was a bad loss for them. They were heavily favored at home on senior night uh, over BYU and, and, and got pretty well handled, but um, we can't dismiss the, all the other wins that they had this year. So having said that, um, if you had to, pick someone right at this moment um i would probably pick kansas but uh there could be a a, a team like an oregon uh is coming on like gangbusters and and i remember uh, back at the start of the year everybody was all over oregon they lost a few games people kind of got off the train a little bit but it's a long season and they're playing the way they should and um, I'm going to give you a uh, a team that nobody's talking about in terms of being, I'm not even going to say a Final Four team, but I would say maybe an Elite Eight team. And if it happens, you can say, I told you so. Wichita State, look out. They are they are ripping it up right now. And That's a shocker, Henderson. That's a shocker. Uh, uh, come on, I expect more from you than that, Ira. Come on. Uh, but uh, expect better. Expect more. But no, Wichita State is is extremely well coached, uh, experienced. Um, yeah, they play in what is a, a fairly mediocre conference this year. The Moval is, is down. But, you know, as I like to say, that's a team that you don't want to see on the other side of the bracket uh, from you come March Madness time. This um, this is a crazy season, Jim. And right. Unlike Henderson, I, I will support your view here. Um, it's I think six different teams guys have been number one this season. It, it's Kansas's turn at the top. Who knows how long that's going to last? Um, I'll give you the team that to me best uh, exemplifies the uh, unpredictability uh, of the 2016-17. Uh, men's college hoops. Uh, 
Joe's, Joe's jumping on Wichita State. I, I offer you Butler, gentlemen. Butler. Uh, second in the Big East, 12-5 and five conference. 23-6 and six overall. Now, here's the team, gents. They beat Arizona. I believe they swept Villanova. Gentlemen, mm-hmm. they did. Yeah. Swept them. Uh, they just beat Xavier. Uh, but they also lost twice to Creighton. Uh, and I believe they lost to Georgetown, Jim, which... Uh, yeah, it, it yeah let me, no Creighton's a good team, Ira. They Creighton's are, a very but, good but they team. Got they got swept. Dismissed them. But, but they got swept. Yeah. You know, they're not, not Cincinnati, that. Henderson. They're not Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, Who is? So, Jim, that, that's my, you know, I'm just using them uh, to make the point that, uh, sure. you know, even Kentucky, guys, they have some nice wins. They beat the Gators Saturday. You pulled away in the second half, but... You know, then they struggle at home against Vanderbilt. Uh, it's a very, very uh, tough season to predict who's going to be standing. Unlike college football, I think Alabama ruled it from uh, week one until they lost, right? Uh, the mm-hmm. final game of the year. So this is one of those years for college basketball. That doesn't mean it's not entertaining, guys. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure Mr. Williams will uh, show us the power in the Northeast. Uh, but um, it, it, every time you grasp one of these teams, they, they, they fall a little flat. This yeah, has no. been college basketball by design. This is the sport with the big March Madness tournament that anyone can win, or at least that's always how we've seen this bracket. But it's never really been this open, or it's rarely this open, I should say, where you can look at the top 25 and you wouldn't be surprised if anyone in the top 16 made a run to the final four. And while everyone's picking teams that haven't really been that talked about nationally, how about the SMU Mustangs in the American Conference with Cincinnati, where they're only one game ahead of Cincinnati. Cincinnati's number 18. They're breathing right down down SMU's net, but SMU's lost one game in 2017. Since the turn of the new year, they lost once, and it was to Cincinnati. It was by two points. They avenged that loss later on, and it was on the road at Cincinnati, by the way. So I guess I should say both of those teams, SMU and Cincinnati, are teams you might want to watch out for come you know, later this month. Well, I would I would agree with you on that. Um, Cincinnati is uh, another very well coached team. Um, really, uh, sort of dominated the middle part of the season and did so quietly. Uh, they weren't getting a lot of love in the polls. Um, they have beaten SMU. They traded wins with SMU. Um, that is a team certainly capable of making. Uh, a run to the Sweet 16, if not beyond. Uh, and SMU, after what happened to them last year with, with not being allowed in the tournament and then their coach quits and all this blah, 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 those guys are on a mission, and they are playing like it. So, yes, I, I concur completely. A very dangerous team. Very dangerous. You know, Jim, uh, I, yeah. I don't know who the best team in the country is, but I, I'm going to take a flyer on who I think is the most entertaining team. Uh, okay. in the country, and uh, I'm going to go out west. Um, 
out 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 uh, out where Westwood used to live, uh, the Wizard of Westwood, because uh, boy, UCLA scores a ton of points, and they got this kid named Lonzo Ball. He, he's going to be a lottery pick uh, in, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have a lot of college experience, but the more I I, I, I see this kid, the more I hear about him. He, he kind of reminds me of Jason Kidd. Um, mm-hmm. This is a guy, you know, he's not going to score 22 points a game. Uh, at the pro level, but he's a facilitator. He rebounds. He plays defense, leading the leading the nation in assists. Um, and Joe, he's also got a crazy father, uh, who's making headlines <laughs> every week, saying the kid's going to be better than Magic Johnson and uh, and this and that. Yeah. I don't think Lonzo Ball needs that kind of pressure, Joe. But uh, UCLA, I think they average ninety points a game in this day and age. That's that's pretty darn good. Uh, they don't get on TV a lot. Um, once that tournament starts, I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, to watching the Bruins uh, and see how far they can go. That's a great tournament too, because you got UCLA, you got Arizona, you got Oregon. Uh, all three of those teams are phenomenally athletic teams, and uh, like you say, uh, they get up and down the court. They play basketball the way I personally enjoy watching it, which is you know high scoring and yeah, I'm not that crazy. If if someone somebody who's want to play defense, that's okay with me. Just keep you know, just keep putting the ball in the in the, in the basket. That's all. You know, they and count. if Gonzaga, Jim, if Gonzaga loses one more game, um, you know, they could lose that number one seed, and and it could go to one of those other Western teams for sure. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I mean, right now, it looks like at least the number one seeds would be Kansas, Villanova, Carolina, and Gonzaga. Um, the two seeds were likely would likely be um, Baylor, Louisville, Kentucky, and perhaps Oregon. Um, I don't know how, but for some reason, um, you know, I, I don't know. UCLA is looking like it's a on the three line. I don't know if they, you know, if they can move up or whatever. But right now, um, you've got UCLA, Butler, Florida State, maybe maybe Duke. Uh, Florida, West Virginia, one of those teams is going to end up being, you know, on the three line, and the others will end up being on the four. So there's some I, good teams uh, in the in the three and four lines. Yeah, there, and 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 that's of course that's a particularly the the four and five line is a dangerous line to be on. Sure, because um, you uh, we see that every year. I think Florida State, although they played pretty well last night at at Duke and lost mm-hmm. a. a a fairly close game. Uh, they don't have the look of a team on the rise right now to me. Mm-hmm. And I could see them falling easily to a, to a four, if not a five. And um, that's a team that, that kind of uh, uh, has not kicked it in down the stretch like you'd like to see. Uh, another team that nobody's talked about, though, and uh, they, they, there's a chance they will be talking about them uh, in early March, and it's your Princeton Tigers. They uh, 12-0 and in the Ivy League, uh, shoot 47% on three-pointers. Uh, they run those devilish black, uh, backdoor cuts that, mm-hmm. that they are noted for there, and they are just really coming up. And the thing about Princeton, which, which is really amazing, is they lost two senior starters early in the year to uh, season-ending injuries, 
mm-hmm. carried right on. And uh, so that's that's another team that if you draw them, you're going, uh-oh, it's, this could be a long day. Um, nobody will be surprised if Princeton – uh, doesn't come in and beat somebody that, you know, logic would tell you they shouldn't because they, they, they may not always win, but they certainly do scare the pants off people. Well, and they're a game ahead of Harvard, and this is the first ever uh, Ivy League tournament going to be played at the Palestra in Philadelphia. So yep. it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that uh, that whole thing plays out because uh, we're not used to seeing an Ivy League tournament, um, well, and frankly, we're not used two? to watching a, an Ivy League game. So let alone an Ivy well, League tournament. Uh, reasonable question. Let's say someone besides uh, Princeton wins the Ivy. Yeah. Is it reasonable to argue that the Ivy deserves two bids? I think that um, I think uh, well. I think right now it's it would have to be if Harvard won because if it if it wasn't right. Harvard, Yale is at eight and three right now. Penn's at five and five. Let's just say this: Penn is not going to win the Ivy League, <laughs> even okay. though it's at the Palestra. Not gonna happen. All right. Stipulated. Uh, yeah, Columbia, not so much. I mean, you know. Um, yeah. It's uh, no. It's, that's not going to happen. So I'm guessing. If Princeton doesn't win, it would have to be Harvard. And if that's the case, maybe I think. Well, I think that they would. Uh, I think Princeton and Harvard would get in. Probably Harvard would be um, in that, one of those play-in games. I know. Well, the league, uh, I know that the NCAA hates to call them that, but I don't know yeah, what else can, to call them. First uh, four or whatever. Okay. But uh, in Dayton, you know, can you imagine? that uh, if you're a, like a seventh place team from the ACC uh-huh. and uh, which means you're a very good basketball team sure. and, uh, and you, or, or even lower, but let's just say seventh place team. Mm-hmm. And you look on that line and, and all of a sudden you've drawn an at large Princeton bit, <laughs> you would be wondering uh, if the uh, basketball gods weren't conspiring against you at that point. Hey guy, because... Guys, the, seven, the seventh place team, Joe, in the ACC, they're in the top 25. They got seven yeah. teams in the top 25. Yep, absolutely. I yeah, think, that, the, I think the league is overrated, too. frankly. I, I just think it's a matter of, you know, there's just it, – I think it's a down year in college basketball. I, I don't think that they're necessarily that good. I just think the rest of the teams have not established themselves. I'll tell you another team that I would always look out for, and that's a Patriot League team, Bucknell. And Bucknell has again looks like Bucknell is going to uh, to be the Patriot League champion. And Bucknell has given pretty much anybody they've ever played in the first round of the tournament grief. But uh, aren't they known more for lacrosse, uh, Jimmy, over the years? Uh, actually, the funny thing is, I they'll play lacrosse. In during halftime of the no, I'm just kidding. They won't play lacrosse. Right <laughs> yeah, they uh, are. They yeah, are. Yeah, Bucknell power. is that. Well, yeah, lacrosse. Uh, Bucknell's a, a lacrosse power, as is a number of teams in the Patriot League. But yeah, yeah lacrosse. But, uh, I, Jim's mm-hmm. right. Bucknell is is one of those tough, disciplined, smart, um, surprisingly good basketball teams that we. You know, most people don't know anything about until this time of year, and then they look at them and they go, wow, I to, those guys can play. Um, 
so yeah, that that that's a that's a good call on that, uh, Jimbo. I would agree. You guys, with you. Um, you guys believing in Kentucky at this point, Tim? You got any reason to think uh, Kentucky can make some noise in in March? Well, a little bit actually. I think their front court's starting to come around. They have a really great back court. We saw that on Saturday. Malik Monk just lit the Gators up in that game and really won them the game. But Bam Adebayo had 15 rebounds in that game. And they won the rebound battle by 18 over Florida, who really is reeling after losing John Igbonu. They had a seven-foot center. Now they don't, and they're really struggling to get to control the boards because of that. But I think that the Wildcats are starting to do that. They're starting to pull down the rebounds they need. Now, obviously, they struggled against Vanderbilt, which is a tough thing to do, but they ended up winning that game. And that's that's a team that they're going to have to be reckoned with come tournament time, but it's all about matchups in the tournament. It's much like Florida. If they run into a team that's really good on defense and has a good front court, Florida might be toast. If they get into a backcourt battle with another team, they actually have a good shot because they can shoot. They can score a lot of points. And the same is true of Kentucky. If if it goes your guard up against Malik Monk, Kentucky has a good shot of winning on that. Well, yes, but they are so inconsistent. Uh, yes, they're playing a little better right now. Um, I, I wouldn't devalue the win over uh, – Vanderbilt as much as as you guys appear to be because Vanderbilt's another very good team and uh you know I'm I'm sure John Calipari wasn't going well I would have liked to have won that by 15 or something like that he's happy to get out of there with a win but uh while it is true that Kentucky has now won I believe it's eight in a row since uh being blown out by the Gators um there's not what I would call a signature win in there. And the SEC is, frankly, not very good this year. You talk about, Jim, you think the ACC is overrated. Uh, the, I don't, I'm not feeling any love at all for uh, the SEC this year. It's, it's, it hasn't been um, top to bottom a, a power conference for a while now. And uh, so yeah. – Oh, go ahead, Joe. Was no, anyway. Ask, yeah, I was just going to ask go a ahead. quick question. The quick question sure. was in totally a non sequitur. Um, when you're talking about um, Vanderbilt, do they still have that funky court that's all, that's lifted oh, off? Yeah. The, oh, yeah. That Man, I used to – every time I used to go to Nashville and do games there, it was like – such a weird thing. It was like you're watching, you know, a Broadway play in front of you. You know, it's like, it's like, it's, you know, put the orchestra down there and go, you know, it's like really wild court. You know, Jim, well, one, uh, other, interest, uh, Jim, one ahead, other interesting I... aspect of, of, of this season, uh -huh. um, uh, when you turn the spotlight on individuals, guys, um, again, th there's no consensus uh, player of the year, and uh, I think the focus squarely uh, is on the backcourt this season. Um, I mentioned Lonzo Ball. Uh, Frank Mason is, is the guy that makes Kansas go. Uh, you know, you've got Josh Hart from uh, Villanova. Uh, Malik Monk, as Tim mentioned, in Kentucky, uh, a very explosive player. 
There's a kid named Fultz out at Washington. Their team's not very good, but he uh, he looks like he's outstanding. Um, I, I don't see the big men this year. The the Frank Kaminsky's, you know, from a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I don't I don't see a lot of skilled big men. Uh, uh, you know, in terms of the top of the N- NBA draft, um, this looks like the year of the guards, guys. I, I think. Uh, you could be right. I mean, there's really not. Um, Don't forget really... about your mellow Trimble over there, uh, Jimmy. I know you like that name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who who doesn't like mellow Trimble? <laughs> um, uh, but where's, know, where's, where's the six nine, the six ten guys, Joe? I, I don't. I don't see the dominant big men uh, this season. I don't see it. Well, and I think part of that is why um, that as you look to March Madness, you look to senior-dominated teams because, you know, the people have been complaining about the overall uh, quality of college basketball for a couple of years now, several years, because of the one-and-dones. And you don't, uh, by and large, have veteran teams anymore uh, with the elite programs, because if, if, if I'm a five-star guy and I, I'm chasing NBA money and I go to Kentucky, I know I'm only staying there for, um, you know, one season and I'm gone. So that makes it hard to develop consistency. But let me, let me drop back for just a second. And you had, you had mentioned, um, I think, uh, Tim, you mentioned the, the Florida's loss of John Agbunu, the big center. And, Here's all the stat that you need to know. Um, when they played Kentucky the first time, when and Egbunu was in the lineup, Florida rebounded Kentucky 54 to 29. On Saturday, without Egbunu in the lineup, Florida was out rebounded 48 to 30. And I think, as as I may have mentioned last week, as Florida goes deeper, or, or as deep as they can get into March, that's where the Gators begin to fall apart. And, you know, it's unfortunate because they were really, really playing good basketball. They were, they were, they were hot. They were confident. They were on a roll. Igbunu gets hurt. They're still a good team, but they're not a team that I think is going to, was going to last very long um, in, in madness once it gets going. Yeah. I, I, would certainly agree there. I think Florida has a lot of good assets on their team that they can they can score points. They'll still be able to do that. They'll be an entertaining to watch team when the brackets roll around. But it will be matchup based. And I think they're gonna see that in the SEC tournament as well when they run across South Carolina for the third time. There's a team that well we keep talking about this fast paced offense driven basketball nobody seems to fight against that more than frank martin and his teams play a much more slow plotting defense driven kind of basketball and i think you really can use a front court to combat a team like that and florida unless they find something that they can put together in Igbunu's absence in these next couple games they're going to really struggle with anyone that slows the game down and takes it away from their guards and away from their point scorers because they can, again, they can really light up a scoreboard, but that doesn't do you any good if you can't control rebounds and you can't stop the other team from scoring. 
Well, yeah, that's exactly right. And Igbunu's the the classic guy that you look at and you see his his he doesn't score a, a a great number of points and maybe he's not getting, you know, 15, 16, 18 rebounds a game or anything like that. So you go, well, what's the what's the problem? Um you know, you can replace a guy like that. And you can't. <laughs> and because he is a he is very athletic and was somebody that you had to account for in the middle, which, you know, basketball being a team sport, that opens up possibilities for other players. And you don't just go down to the corner store and replace an athletic seven-foot center, you know, as, whoa, my guy got hurt, I need another one. You, you got you to go on without him. And unfortunately, injuries are part of the game, and the Gators are finding that out and Unfortunately for them, I believe we'll find it out even more emphatically um, once March Madness gets here. Disappointing finish, but certainly a step forward of the season. And I think a lot to take away for the Gators that's nothing but positive. They're on the right track now. Oh, absolutely. Um, just unfortunate uh, break. That's uh, That's the way it goes sometimes. Absolutely. And just circling back really quick to the guard discussion, it does seem like from everything I've I've been reading that when the NBA draft rolls around, people will be surprised if the top two picks aren't in some order, Markel Fultz from Washington and Lonzo Ball from UCLA. So that's just how guard-driven college basketball is this year. It's a really good crop of guards. So you're going to get a lot of those high-scoring teams when – March when March Madness rolls around because, like you said, there's lack of big men. There's a lack of you can't really sit and teach defense to a lot of players who intend on being at college for one year. So it's going to be a lot of wide open courts and a lot of scoring moving forward. And well, uh, and Joe, you know Josh Hart from Villanova. I think he's the, I think he's kind of the glue uh, for Villanova. Um, Again, not not a guy who's going to be a big-time scorer in the NBA, uh, but he's got a lot of intangibles, Joe Hart, and he's been around. He's got experience, and that goes exactly to your point, uh, and that's why I think um, you can't discount uh, Villanova uh, in March. No, you, 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 well, why would you? I mean, they're, they're number two in the country right now, and they're defending national champions, so no, I wouldn't discount them. Um, but going I, I think you guys are onto it with the with the overall theme this year for college basketball is the teams that can can light it up from three land are are going to be the teams that are ultimately successful and that's that's an improvement over uh, a couple of years ago when frankly college basketball I thought had gotten to the point where it was extremely boring because nobody could score, the the play was ragged. It was uh, a grind. Joe, was kinda, a grind. Yeah, grind. It was a grind. That's a great word. And now, you know, you look at you look at some of these teams. That a team like um, here's here's another team that nobody's talking about. Colonial Athletic Conference, UNC Wilmington. That put a little put a little asterisk by them. Because they can flat fill it up. Um, you know, we mentioned Princeton. Vermont, another yeah. 
veteran team, good team, Akron, the Akron Zips. Uh, and what the, all these teams have in common is that they can fill it from, from the three line. So, you know, good luck trying to figure all this out because uh, it is going to be the usual train wreck once uh, madness gets here. And most brackets will be, uh, will be blown to smithereens after uh, the first, uh, first two days of play. And to Tim's point, Jim, Jim, to Tim's point about Malik Monk uh, uh-huh. on Kentucky, um, he's one of those guys that if he's on, which he certainly was Saturday, ask any Gator fan. Um, but, Tim, if that kid is on, you know, he's a whippet out there. Uh, tough to stay up with in the open court. And, uh, you know, when the shot's falling, that, that's a very, very tough matchup, uh, Tim. That, that's the thing about a streaky shooting team. And Kentucky has certainly been inconsistent all year, but that makes them a little streaky. When you get on that hot shooting streak, when you when everyone's hitting the shots they're taking, no matter how crazy, then you become a really tough team to beat. It's just how long are those shots going to fall? And is Kentucky's front court, the guys like Adebayo, are they going to be able to hold up and control the rebounds when those shots don't fall to give them more chances? If they can do that, well, that's that's what every team's going to be trying to do this March is shoot a lot and hope they get the rebounds when they don't fall. He jumps, he shoots, he scores. Don't miss a single drive, dribble, or dunk. It's college basketball season, and the American Sports Network has your ticket to the games. See your favorite league play with teams from Conference USA, The American, Atlantic 10, Mid-American, and more. Live college basketball on the American Sports Network. You know, guys, um, I think it's time to uh, downshift here on the um, Sunshine Boys podcast with uh, Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson, Tim Williams in Boston. I'm Jim Williams, your host. And um, let's talk a little NFL football, guys. Uh, You know, we talked last week about the the free agent situation and uh, things are starting to to move and, and at least um, coalesce a little bit as we uh, as we look down that road. Ira, any uh, observations from the NFL side that you're looking at and saying, uh, um, either have you scratching your head or saying, you know, I think uh, these people are doing the right thing? Jim, you know what strikes me? Every, every year, right about this time, like the week or two before free agency, uh, everybody gets excited, guys. This guy might be available, this guy might. Well, it turns out, you know, Eric Berry's not, not going anywhere. J- Jason Pierre-Paul is not going anywhere. Kirk Cousins isn't going anywhere. You know, so now, now the attention shifts to uh, Romo and Garoppolo. And, and I don't think Garoppolo's going anywhere either. Uh, I'm curious to see what, what, what Tim says about that. But, Jim, my point is, you know, this fantasy football stuff, when the smoke clears uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, signing guys to extensions, and franchise tags, uh, most of the outstanding talent that once seemed uh, available uh, when free, uh, free agency rolls around, they, they, they get, they get uh, re-signed by their team. So now, you know, you're looking at uh, guys like Deshaun Jackson uh, with a special interest by the Bucks, Calais Campbell on defense, uh, 
you know, uh, Pierre Garcon could could be out there, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, and here comes Adrian Peterson. Now he is out there. So I'll be the first one to say it on this show, guys. Uh, an emphatic no to Adrian Peterson from a Buck perspective. I don't think it makes a lot of sense, Jim. Uh, that doesn't mean uh, a contingent of Buck fans aren't excited about this prospect. But 32-year-old running back, I'm, I'm going to pass, guys. Well, not only that, a 32-year-old running that. back come, coming off uh, serious injuries. So, yeah, meniscus, yeah. Yep. Uh, no. Uh, a name you didn't mention, Ira Kaufman. I'm surprised at you. Um, is that that would be, to say the least, a a gamble, uh, but you could call it low risk, high reward. Josh Gordon. Interesting. Unquestioned talent, unquestioned knucklehead, and so do you trust him? And, you know, because he's really, really, really turned it around this time, right? Okay. But if he has, and, you know, this guy is not going to get a a big deal. Nobody's going to give him that. So do you say, well, all right, tell you what, we'll bring you in, see how you do. And if you keep clean, a big, big red underline 18 times if, then – you know what? That changes the dynamic of your team. And You know, uh, it's funny you mention that, Joe, today, uh, especially today, because uh, Jason Light and Dirk Cutter just addressed the media uh, at Indy, at the Combine, and one of the quotes that came out of it from uh, Jason Light, Jim, this is a strong one. He said, mm-hmm. um, 90% of the time, when you miss on a player, and I think he's talking about both the draft and free agency, 90% of the time, when you miss on a player, you miss on character, not talent. Right. Uh, that goes right to uh, the Josh Gordon, maybe even Deshaun Jackson, Tim, uh, by, by some extent. Um, what, what's, New England's, uh, what's New England's stance on character, uh, uh, Tim? Uh, there's a perception that Belichick doesn't care, but I, I, I can't believe that's true. Well, I think the – Perception that Belichick doesn't care comes from a period where, for about five years, the Patriots got in their heads that Bill Belichick was the loudmouth whisperer, that you could give him anyone and he could turn that player around because he's such a great coach. And it worked with Randy Moss. For exactly one year, it worked with Randy Moss. Do not forget, though, Randy Moss was out of New England very quickly thereafter. It's He'll bring those guys in, but they have a very short leash. And they're under watch. And they're in the fortress that is Foxborough. The Patriots not playing within the city limits of Boston really helps them in terms of keeping people away from where they can get themselves in trouble by saying too many words that aren't scripted as something else that the Bucks have had to deal with in the last couple of weeks, in fact. And I think character character is a big deal. It's a big deal in a sport where not everyone has it, and where when you don't have it because of the amount of coverage the NFL gets, it becomes a nonstop issue. One slip-up, 
and you're talking about it for a month in the off season because there's really not a whole lot else to talk about. So everything has longer legs. And so too does do questions about character and things like Josh Gordon. As for Josh Gordon, I would think if you're a team that hasn't had a good kick returner or punt returner in a while, and you could get a guy for cheap who might be able to fill that, that void, if there is a reason to believe that they can deal with him, and that's that's a big if, but if there is, he would fill a direct need that this team has that's not necessarily easy to fill, and that's a kick returner. And as for the Pats, they're not trading Jimmy Garoppolo. That's coming out this morning that they're making it pretty clear that they're not intending to. I would make one prediction for someone they might trade, Rob Gronkowski. Oh. And if you're Jason Light, what do you do? Rob Gronkowski is one of the ten best players in the National Football League. When healthy. When he's healthy. And the Patriots just lifted the trophy when he wasn't. So they can get a lot for him now. If they wait another year and he gets hurt again or he proves that this last injury, this last back surgery has set him back to where he can't be the force of nature that he's been anymore, well, that becomes – then they don't have as much value. They can't get as much for him. And we've talked about the Patriot way before – as much as everyone likes Rob Gronkowski, and I can't imagine a football fan who wouldn't enjoy having Gronk on their team so they could root for Gronk, I think it might be the end of the line in New England for him. And I wonder, what can he get? And would a team like, say, the Bucks, who could use another pass target and could build a two-tight-end offense with him and Cameron Brake, Wonder if what they might be interested, what price they might be interested at. I, I think that would be a reckless and foolish move by the Bucks, and not that they're not that we have any idea where they're considering it, but that would be a, a kind of the offensive equivalent of what they did with Darrell Rivas. Uh, you just don't overspend what you would have to do to get a Gronkowski. They have other needs. Uh, Cameron Brait was a pretty doggone good tight end last year. Yes, and he de- he developed uh, a lot of chemistry with Jameis Winston. Now, um, and, and plus, I mean, if it's the Gronkowski that we know and love, there's no way the Patriots trade him. If they do trade him, it's because they believe he's damaged goods. So either way, if they offer him to me, what are they going to want? A first plus whatever, you know, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, you know, the Buccaneers need to, the game plan has to be beef up the wide receiver position. And then if you can get uh, more help along the defensive line, do that. But you've got to get somebody to take some heat off of Mike Evans. And I know you're going to say Gronkowski would do that. But Gronkowski, uh, I'm sorry, if back injuries in the NFL, those are walking time bombs for these guys. And it's not like it was his first one. So I'll pass. Hey, Jim, uh, Jim, uh, yeah. I don't know how aware you are um, up in your neck of the woods, but it was a big story down in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe, uh, uh, Tim alluded to it. 
Um, Jameis Winston went to a grade school last week, mm-hmm. Jim, and, and addressed the students on his own time, spent 45 minutes there. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of the boys, I think, got a little rowdy, and he said, boys, stand up, and girls, sit down, and nothing wrong with that. He wanted to address mm-hmm. the boys. Um, and then he, you know, he went into the speech about be strong, boys, and you can mm-hmm. do get anything done that you put your your mind to. And mm-hmm. and then he said a couple of things about the girls in general and, and be gentle and, and quiet. And this is 2017, guys. I don't have to remind you that uh, that that stuff doesn't fly. This is not 1957. So he took a, he took a beating in, in a local column, Jim. And uh, what I found very interesting. Um, in reading some of the comments, which, uh, you know, I should be above that. I know I can just hear Henderson. Stop reading the comments, Calvin. But uh, <laughs> pe- people people basically turned on the columnist, Jim, um, and, and said, you know, it was a hit piece on Winston. Uh, now, look, I'll be the first to say, guys, he, he misspoke. You know, a 23-year-old, Jameis Winston, misspoke. And I think he acknowledged that, but... Jim, I'm just wondering, you know, you've been in this business a long time. Um, you think that was a cheap shot to uh, call Winston's uh, remarks irresponsible? At that sure. Time? Yeah, at 23 years old, I mean, I think that's uh, – you're being a little politically correct in that regard. I think that um, Jameis has been through um, a number of different counseling situations, first at FSU and now – I'm sure prior to heading to the Bucks. So I thought, you know, when you look at something like that, you're sitting there going, "Okay, I get it." Um, you know, he we he wants to be his own guy. He wants to be out there. He wants to show that he cares about the, you know, about the um, about what's going on in the community. And I think that you know sometimes people get a little oversensitive. I don't think he. Um, I think, as you say, it was a little Lassie and Harriet old-time situation, but I don't think he did anything to make himself, um, you know, a pariah either. I think the statement, as as it read, was regrettable. I think that that's as far as it can go. I think that you can you can say it was a regrettable statement that someone in his position needs to think twice moving forward when they say something. I think it's a lesson to everyone. We all have an opportunity where we're going to speak in public. I was trying to look up a number for it, but there is no number for it. I would bet it's at least a thousand people a year that are supposed to speak in front of their company for something. They go off script and they don't have a job anymore. So when you're, Making remarks in public, and you know it's going to be seen in the public eye, prepare the remarks and don't go off script. That's that's the main takeaway here for me. But it, it's a regrettable comment, and I think that it's a it's a teachable moment for Winston, who is a very young player who's not necessarily used to having everything they say in public scrutinized like that. And that is a lesson in and of itself that... You have to watch what you say when you're a quarterback because there is always someone looking to, you know, if if it goes a little bit off off the beaten path, they're going to call you out on it because someone's out there who that's 
what they think their job is. And that's, you know, sometimes they rightly call people out for saying things. Sometimes it's a little bit unfair, but it's something you have to look out for. And it's something that people in the NFL, especially quarterbacks, have to deal with. So it's a tough story because I don't think it speaks to much beyond the statement itself. A guy went off script and it didn't go very well. That happens all the time. I don't know, guys. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being, you know, the worst, I'd put this at about a 2. Um, there is, I, I'm just not that upset about it. Yeah, it, it wasn't the most enlightened thing to say. And I think there are a number of women out there that are more than willing to correct Jameis about uh, yeah. some of those remarks. And and he deserves he deserves what he gets but come on i mean like you said all right there's somebody always out there ready to pounce and that's the world we live in and you know i've done my share of pouncing over the years so you know i'm i'm probably as guilty as anyone else but stuff like this i just don't get that worked up over it um you know he was basically trying to impress upon young men that they should be respectful. And what's wrong with that? Don't know. Let me ask one real quick question to Ira. Ira, you know, we talked a little bit about Kurt Cousins early. Um, He was franchised by the Redskins again for the second year in a row. If you were to assign a Kurt Cousins to a quote-unquote, you know, big time contract what would a Kurt Cousins be worth on the open market and how much in guaranteed money do you think Kurt Cousins would would uh, get on an open market I'm, I'm thinking maybe 25 mil uh, and I'm not talking about the package I'm talking about a year um, and, and, and maybe uh, you know 15 of that guaranteed and he wants a multi-year deal uh, Jim I, I can't work up a lot of uh, Sympathy for uh, the plight, so-called plight of Kirk Cousins. I mean, the guy, the guy is made. <laughs> That's a what I was about. To, I was about to try to make the point that in two years, uh, Kirk Cousins has made forty-five million dollars. Okay? Absolutely right. Absolutely so, right. And you know, and, you know I was and how many say, playoff wins does he have to show for that? Yes, uh, and, uh, as and many so as I, I do. I would, uh, I would dare say your 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 man Andy Dalton uh, has done a lot more. Than, than Kirk Cousins. Um, nobody's crying the blues for uh, Andy Dalton. Um, now, he could win a couple more playoff games, Joe. We understand that. Um, but he's been a solid quarterback. And, you know, guys, it didn't end well for Kirk Cousins in, in 2016. I, mm-hmm. I didn't like those last couple of games, yep. um, especially the Giants game. You've got to find a way to will your team to, to victory there. And and he knew there was so much riding on it, but you know the Reds in the in the end, guys, the Redskins didn't have a lot of options. No, they, they just didn't, Jim. And they're not a rebuilding team. No. You know, they're a team on on the cusp of uh, of the playoffs every year. Right now, they got some uh, got some good talent, and you know they couldn't afford not to have Kirk Cousins. And, and he's back. I don't feel bad for him. Um, and, uh, as you just said, he's made an awful lot of money 
in, in two years with uh, without the requisite uh, production. Right, there because when, when Joe, Hen- Joe Henderson went, I wish, Joe, for your sake, I wish. Uh, when Joe oh, Flacco you. signed his deal, uh, it was a little right around $100 million. You know, we all know that NFL money is, is like monopoly right. money. So right. it was $100 million, but the the actual signing money was over a period of time. It was deferred, but it was around 60, uh, 50 to $60 million. So Kirk Cousins in two years – has done almost as good as Flacco did in signing a hundred million dollar contract, and his money. He's got a Vince Lombardi trophy, Jim. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm not. I'm just saying. You know. That, no, I'm saying Flacco. Flacco's got a trophy. Yeah. Uh, right. That, yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm just saying that here's a guy who's a quote unquote elite con uh, guy. I mean, you know, gets the elite contract. It's hard for me to feel any animosity or any sadness for Kirk Cousins when he's cashing, you know, checks that you know. His he's got his uh, forget his own children. He's got three generations of cousins in uh, in good shape. And Joe, don't forget, Joe, that the Bucks are going to face this with uh, Jameis in a couple of years. Right now, they're getting off cheap, Joe, but those days are going to end. Oh yeah, and, and pretty soon. Oh well, yeah. Uh, yeah, they they are. And and speaking of the Bucks, you know who the big winner, uh, a big winner in the whole. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo drama uh, could be is uh, soon to be former Bucks quarterback Mike Glennon because the quarterback market um, just lost a key player um, yes. In, yes. in with the Patriots' decision to keep Garoppolo and Mike Glennon. You know what? Uh, yeah, I understand why the Bucks drafted Jameis Winston, and you get a chance to get a franchise quarterback, you do it. But Mike Glennon, I don't think, got the credit he deserved um, for the year where he, he played, um, what was it, about half or, or more of the season, Ira, after uh, a series of injuries uh, to, the, to the guys ahead of him, and didn't, didn't do that badly. Uh, the Bucks had nothing around him, and, and he, he stood in there strong. Uh, he's a smart guy. Uh, and I believe he can be in that that range of of good, solid, mid-level quarterbacks that you know you never he'll never get the you know, 150 million dollar contract, but he can he can make a team very happy. Uh, yeah, and and I think his stock just went way up. Tim, he just wants a chance to compete. Tim, that's all he wants, and I think he deserves it. Uh, do I ever think he's going to be elite? No, I don't. But, uh, Tim, there's eight or nine teams out there that are uh, really desperate. I mean desperate. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Glenn, Glennon's going to get a look, and he deserves it. And a- any Buck fan who thinks uh, he's going to re-sign with the Bucks to be, uh, you know, Winston's backup, I think that's crazy. I just – you look at the NFL, and you, you mentioned elite quarterbacks. There are only a few of those. And there really aren't – there are 32 NFL teams. There aren't 32 quarterbacks capable of doing what teams need to do to have a winning season. Not that – I think we put way too much on a quarterback's win-loss record. I think that's a mistake they've made in other sports for years that those other sports have corrected that now football needs to find a way to get away from 
evaluating individual players in the team's sport on win-loss records. That's the knock on uh, Glennon, Tim. That's the knock on Glennon, his win-loss record. Yeah, yeah, that's the knock on Glennon, his win-loss record. And he's never had a game where you've looked at him and said, well, that's a bad quarterback. I mean, he hasn't really set the world on fire at any point. He's never said anything. He's never shown anything where, wow, I I wish I had Mike Glennon calling plays or taking snaps. But he's never been bad. And there are plenty of people who have been flat out bad. And there are people in the NFL right now, or last year, who had starting jobs, who really shouldn't have starting jobs, or their teams are now looking to move on from them and with good reason. So I think a guy like Mike Glennon, who, again, has never been bad, deserves a shot somewhere. I I have a feeling that when he gets into camp with a shot to win a job, it's going to be very attractive to a lot of teams to say anything but Mike Glennon is our starting quarterback, and that's unfortunate. I think he deserves a shot, but I think it's going to be tough to – you know, it's a tough sell, unfortunately, to have a guy that isn't going to be elite, and it's hard to convince people the truth that elite isn't available. Tell you what, guys, we're running toward the end of the clock here, and so let's wrap things up. Uh, final thoughts and social media. Let's, uh, let's roll with Ira Kaufman. Uh, final thoughts today, Ira, and uh, All right, on yeah. what's coming up uh, this weekend, or what you're looking forward to next week, and uh, and how people can uh, follow you on social media. Tim, you can get me on Twitter at ikaufman76, and uh, you, you know, uh, Light and Cutter uh, addressed the media for about 15 minutes apiece, and you know, there was a steady stream of tweets. That's the day and age we live in. Every line that Dirk Cutter said this morning at Indy uh, was repeated on Twitter by six different people within 10 seconds. And I'm not making that up. So it was a steady stream. And my overall point, and I can just see uh, Henderson chuckling at this, is neither guy said anything. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, We met with Doug Martin. Uh, It was an excellent conversation. Okay. Where's that stand? Uh, you know, we, we need help uh, at wide receiver. Uh, we, we hope to land somebody. Okay, what does that mean? So, you know, every year we go through this dance at the Combine, and nobody's going to tip their hand, and why should we expect them to? Really, why should we expect them to? They always talk in general terms. They never say it's a bad draft. But let me say it right here, gentlemen. As far as quarterbacks concerned, this draft stinks. This draft's awful. Uh, you know, Mayock doesn't have a quarterback in his top ten, and not even close, he says. So in that regard, I'll leave it at this. The Bucks are very lucky. They got Winston when, when they did because last year's crop, not very good. Jared Goff, Wentz, Paxton Lynch, and Joe, this year's crop looks even worse. Yeah, and if you're the Cleveland Browns, that's not – no. Uh, that's that's not what you want to hear. Uh, or this, <laughs> you know, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, he's a guy. You know, that's another guy that could be uh, could be on the move. Or if if right. if I'm uh, the new regime in San Francisco, I'm I may be going. You know what? Uh, we'll keep you. And, I agree. Um, I agree with that, Joe. So 
Anyway, all right. Well, um, you can find me on Twitter at the initial J Henderson Tampa. And yeah, it's hard not to get caught up in all the NFL nonsense right now. And Ira's right. There's so much of, oh, I'm going to say it, fake news out there when it comes to <laughs> NFL free and drafts. But, um, you know, it, it, it's sad but true. But it's it's entertaining, and if you if you leave it at that, you're you're fine. We are we're getting into the wrap up of the regular season in college basketball for for the big conferences and the, and the, and some of the conference tournaments will be keep, uh, will be starting. The game I'm going to kind of keep an eye on this week uh, is on Saturday afternoon, right here in the beautiful Sunshine State. When Ira's Miami Hurricanes go to Tallahassee to play Florida State, and uh, Miami's been playing very well, and Florida State, as I mentioned earlier, uh, needs to uh, to regain some uh, some momentum. Now, uh, Miami had won, I believe it was four, I think it was four in a row, including a win over Duke uh, before they lost at Virginia Tech in their last game, but they were spanked by Florida State early in the year by 18 points in Miami. So Miami needs to make a statement here. They might be – I'm, I'm not convinced Miami's safely in the tournament yet. I know they're ranked. They're 25th. They, they've got 20 wins. They're sixth in the ACC. But they need a statement win. And, and going you know, to build on what they got against Duke and going to Tallahassee and reversing uh, – uh, the tables on a team that thumped them soundly early in the year would be a good way to start. Tim, you're up. Well, as far as what I'll be watching this weekend, I'm going to be watching a fair amount of college hockey as well. It's the Hockey East tournament. So that's speaking of power conferences, that's certainly one of the power conferences in college hockey. So I'll be interested to watch that opening round the northeastern versus connecticut game should be good but this is a florida podcast no one wants to hear about college hockey so i'm going to mention something that's going on in florida as well as arizona spring training has started and that's a wonderful sign for those of us up north it's not that cold here today but it's always nice to hear that there's baseball around the corner the one thing is you should really pay attention when you see a headline and you should really think twice about taking any stock in a lot of what you hear this time of year because it's a good time for people to say this guy's in the best shape of his life or this player's hitting like gangsters right out of the gate or this pitcher looks like he's ready to go that's all well and good but spring training means so little unless it's an injury you really can't take much from it it's great to watch it's great to see the players actually have or the fans have some real access to the players where they can actually really interact and it's cool to see the things that come with spring training but the news that comes out of spring training if it doesn't have to do with injury don't pay much attention to it. It might not have anything to do with the regular season or even the World Baseball Classic, which is starting soon. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Wrights Sports. Speaking of um, spring training, I'll give you one quick final story before we leave on spring training. And I once asked Rusty Staub how he got into training for 
you know, the off season before he made it this spring, he said he used to walk every day with his cleats on out to pick up his newspaper with a beer. And that is how he got ready every year for spring training. So, um, you know, you got to love Rusty, Le Grand Orange himself. So, hey, uh, anyway. Jim, Jim yeah. can I add one more thing? Sure, go ahead. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm sending this out to all the uh, football fanatics out there, Jimmy. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no harm intended, but I think uh. it needs to be said. Uh, and, and Henderson, I, I see you nodding in agreement here. Uh, anybody who's into seven-round mock Drafts, comma, get a life, get a life. That, that, is, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You got no idea who's still going to be on the board, but people eat that stuff up. Joe, that's a problem. That is, you know, I, I recommend therapy. Um, it, that's when you know you're in too deep. We will put together a support group and show you that um... – in case you need it, we'll have some 1-800 numbers up, and uh, that way you can get the, uh, the help that you need. Ira. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Uh, mock draft, seventh round. Okay. Um, I think I might still be in that. Uh, you know, I might be eligible for that. You never know. Anyway, guys, it's been always fun, as usual. Uh, for Ira Kaufman. Joe Henderson, the Sunshine Boys. For Tim Williams joining us from Boston, I'm Jim Williams, your host for the Sunshine Boys podcast. We hope you enjoyed uh, this edition as much fun as we had doing it for you. Take care, and we'll catch you next week. Don't miss the excitement on the court during a full day of live NCAA basketball. Southern Miss Golden Eagles take on the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. The UMass Minutemen face the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. And the Davidson Wildcats battle the Rhode Island Rams. Continue watching as the Grand Canyon Antelopes battle for a Western Athletic Conference win against CSU Bakersfield. Saturday beginning at 2 p.m. on the American Sports Network. Follow us at live on ASN. 